Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Rob's Funk and Junk Podcast, episode 27, 27, uh, pre-Christmas. Will I get another one in before Christmas? Don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, how is uh, how's Christmas rearing up for you? Um, let me just turn my mic down, it's a bit gainy. How's Christmas, uh, how's your Christmas planning going? Um, I think we're nearly there. When I say we're nearly there, my wife's just coming in now. Sorry to disturb you. I've just come to get a bottle of bubble. You're going to say hello. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh, gosh. I didn't realise I was on camera. Merry Christmas. She's coming to get a bottle of champagne. Friends arrived. Ouch, that's loud. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Are you going to bring me some? Yeah. So, as I was saying, my lovely wife, Rachel, has done all of the Christmas preparations. <laughs> Most of them. Yeah. Because um, she's the queen of Christmas, and I'm, well, I am usually, but I'm not the, not usually the queen of Christmas. I'm the king of Christmas because I love Christmas, but I'm, uh, yeah, I've been away so much. It's been, uh, it's been a full-on Christmas season of gigs. Um, I don't know. Any other guitar players, musicians, bass players, are you, have you been busy? Um, I just know that I've just done a load. I did four in a row last week, which at my age is pretty heavy going. Um, yeah, I was all over the place. Um, up and down the UK and then a little trip to Zurich. Um, <coughs> excuse me. A little trip to Zurich with uh yeah my friends in the aston band just doing a sort of christmas christmas do thing over there um flew over on swiss air um and uh swiss air kindly uh when i was flying back so i had to go I, I had a couple of gigs in london two nights in london at this residency i've got a place called langens um which is a great fun gig uh did two nights in london traveling home in between so i get back sort of about 2 two thirty in the morning sometimes go to bed always up at about seven half six seven with the dogs and then i had a gig uh so i did i think it was wednesday thursday i think it was wednesday and thursday and then i stayed in london after the gig on thursday and uh i had a really early flight out to zurich on friday morning so it was like 4 a.m 4am flight um which is always a joy so they kindly got me a hotel at the airport with which i jumped straight into bed and had a kip and uh when i did the gig uh sort of got off the plane in zurich went straight to the venue and did a very lengthy sound check which was fine um got back to the hotel for about an hour to eat something and then went back to the venue to do the gig. Got back at three in the morning, was up again at 4.30, I think, lobby call, uh, flew home and I had a gig, flew back to Heathrow, I had a gig that night in um, Sussex. So I was supposed to go straight to a, a little hotel in Sussex from the airport at Heathrow and just have the day sort of uh, a day to sort of have a few hours kip 
few hours sleep. But um, waiting around at Heathrow for my guitar to arrive. And, um, you know, I, it's the dreaded thing. Uh, they hadn't put it on the plane. So it was stuck in Switzerland. Um, at which point I was like, well, I'm screwed. I've got a gig tonight. What am I going to do? So um, I ended up driving back home to, to where I live in Cambridgeshire, picking up a guitar. Well, had two hours sleep, picked up a guitar um, and went back to this gig in Sussex. And then, uh, yeah, so it's been a bit like that. It's been great. Good fun. I'm not complaining. The gigs are good. It's great to be out playing, as I keep saying. Um, but yeah, it's such a pain in the ass when your guitar doesn't turn up. It is so worrying because you just think well is that it am i never going to see it again it's happened a few times um i think my wife is bringing me a glass of champagne oh look at that christmas bubbly christmas bubbly <laughs> merry christmas <laughs> merry christmas everybody um anyway yeah so the guitar didn't turn up hang on cheers to all of you I'm not an alcoholic, but it's Christmas. Come on, it's Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's always always that worry of uh, when your guitar doesn't turn up. That is that it? Is it going to be knackered? Is it going to be sat in some room for two months? I always think the worst. But actually, on this occasion, I just went, ah, screw it. It'll be fine. Um, I'm sure it's going it, it to, it, you know, I travel with a really heavy duty. Actually, you can see it right there. The SKB case which uh, whenever I go to the airport in America, um, they always assume it's a gun for some reason because it looks like a rifle case. So, but no, it's uh, something even more dangerous. It's a guitar. Um, so yeah, I travel with that. So it, the guitars are always pretty secure. <laughs> Gone are the days when you could take your guitar on a plane. I remember that. It used to be so much easier. You could take your guitar on the plane, it would always fit, it would always fit up in the lockers above. Honestly, um, the amount of, oh, oh, amount of times, I nearly swore there, but the amount of times I've had to um, buy a ticket for a guitar to go on a plane. So sometimes if I haven't had a gig bag, uh, sorry, if the guitar's travelling in a gig bag, like a mono bag, you know, like a soft padded bag, and I had no other way of, of traveling with the guitar, you know, and a lot of the flights, you know, you're sort of using easy jet or sleazy jet, um, with their speedy waiting, um, extras or Ryanair or, you know, something similar where you normally would be able to take the guitar on, but they won't. Now you have to buy a seat for it. And the amount of times I've been on, I bought a seat for the guitar. And then when you're on the plane and it's on the seat next to you, the, the uh, flight attendant would come up and go, oh, do you want me to put that up in the in the locker for you? And I'm like, no, I bought a seat for it. If it was up, if it was, you know, why did I have to buy a seat if it could go in the locker anyway? Anyway, moan, moan, moan. This isn't going to be a moaning podcast. But yeah, that that's what happened the other day. Um, the bane of traveling with instruments and uh, yeah, I've seen, you know, you see them throwing them on the conveyor belt and uh, 
has anyone had any any guitar disasters? I had one once turn up with the headstock snapped off. And then it just took forever to get some compensation out of the airline. And you think, God, how hard must you have thrown that for the headstock to be snapped off? The mind boggles. But, it, you know, they're... Yeah, that's... Uh, Travelling used to be so much easier with guitars, um, with instruments. Now it's carnets and... Yeah, that's the problem. When you're travelling to do a gig, if you get to the other end and your instrument's not there, you're screwed. You're screwed. Unless, you, unless you've got a good hire company. But sometimes, you know, if you're travelling to sort of... You know, I did a gig in the Maldives last, last year. It would have been a nightmare trying to get a guitar there. Um, look, I'm complaining about something that didn't even happen. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. There's me complaining about something that didn't even happen. But yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's people out there who've had their guitars go missing or pedal boards or cymbal cases or makeup bags or whatever. Um, I remember doing a tour once when my luggage didn't... I was playing with this German band back in the early, not mid, early 90s. Um, German band called Alphaville. Uh, you know those guys. They did the song "Forever Young" and uh, another song called "Big in Japan." I toured with them for about a year and a half, and it was a way I had a whale of a time. Yeah, I had a whale of a time. <laughs> um, but I remember my luggage not turning up, and we were touring around sort of the eastern sort of part of Germany, and my luggage just didn't show up. So I'm just there with the clothes that I had on my back. And my equipment was there. No, that the equipment had gone over in a van, I think. Um, so my luggage hadn't turned up. And I had to go out and buy a whole new wardrobe. Um, well, not a whole new wardrobe. Thinking it was going to be a couple of days until I got it. But my luggage was f literally following me around from, from city to city on the tour. Um, I kind of expect it to arrive and then it would arrive the day after I'd left and then it, they'd have to send it on. Um, so I didn't have my clothes, my own clothes for the whole tour. Um, and I was kind of walking around in Eastern Germany, uh, which at the time, yeah, it was quite hard to find clothes that I quite liked over there. <laughs> Another time uh, away with Jamiroquai, actually, uh, we did a tour of South America and it was, um, when was that, 2014, I think? But we were there, and it was kind of near the end of the tour, and we flew from somewhere, I think, I can't remember where it was, but we flew into Mexico City, and my luggage didn't arrive. And this, I think this was about a six-week, five or six-week-long stint we were away in South America, which was great fun. But we, uh, my luggage just didn't turn up. So I... Uh, I was in my hotel room and the tour manager at the time, um, her name was Maria, bless her. She called the room and said, look, your luggage hasn't arrived at the airport. It's probably going to be here tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, why don't we just get your, whatever you're wearing, why don't we come and get what you're wearing and take it to the, uh, get the, get the hotel to sort of clean it for you. So I, you know, all I had, on all I had with me was a pair of I had a pair of jeans, 
a t-shirt, my underwear, um, and my and a pair of flip flops, thongs or whatever they called flip flops because it was summer. It was really hot, so I was wearing those, and I used to sort of live in those back then. So that's all I had to wear, and I had all my toiletries, all my all my sort of uh, you know toothbrush and shavers and deodorant and all that. That was all in my hand luggage, but not. Um, yeah, all my clothes are in the big suitcase. So she said, oh, let, let me get that cleaned for you. So I sort of took everything off. <laughs> and uh, she comes knocking at the door. And I'm just in a robe. That's it. I've got the, the, the hotel room robe on. And she took my clothes. And uh, I realized I was just, I was, I was in a hotel in Mexico City with not one item of clothing. <laughs> I felt really vulnerable. I couldn't go out. I think eventually I had to borrow, I borrowed some, cause we, I decided to go out that night actually, but, um, I, um, borrowed some clothes off Derek. I think he was kind of my size back then, but yeah, I was wearing another man's clothes, but yeah, that shit happens all the time. Even yeah, it happens to everyone on holidays. It's a nightmare. And post, um, pandemic, it seems to be even worse. Um, post i should find another name for that pandemic post whatever it was um but yeah airports have been absolutely diabolical the treatment of passengers has been diabolical they lay i think they laid everyone off i think well, especially here a lot of people were laid off and then they went off and did other jobs um so yeah airport shenanigans um Cheers to Swiss Air. They, the guitar did arrive back the next day. So cheers. Thank you for looking after my instrument. Um, it was my black DGT, my, my PRS. So I love that guitar. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose it, but cheers. Thank you for getting it back. It arrived the next day. Nice. Champagne. Look at me drinking champagne. Who do I think I am? Charlie big potatoes or something. Um, Anyway, drinking champagne on a podcast. I'm sure that's happened before, but not to me. I've never done it before. It's a first for me. Um, did I tell you? I didn't. Have I mentioned? Probably not. I I didn't drink alcohol. Um, sorry, I keep on hearing my wife next door. Um, I didn't drink any alcohol until I was 40 years old. Didn't touch a drop. Nothing, completely teetotal. And I certainly have made up for it since then. Um, but I am actually pulling back a bit from drinking. I'm sort of doing the old try and drink at the weekends, he says, on a Wednesday. Shit, that's rubbish. Um, it's Wednesday, but it is Christmas Wednesday. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a day at home today. It was the first one in quite a while quite nice um got to catch up on a few little sessions um my wife had a list of jobs for me to do um of which i've started and gone at it with great enthusiasm he says <laughs> just because i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah i've been away for a while so she had a, a list of uh, i'm sure there's more there's a, a bit more she's out there is she listening to me? No, she's not. She's feeding the dogs. Um, so what else is happening? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, well, thank you for um, 
to everyone who listened to the to last week's episode, um, which I talked about Alan Murphy. Um, yeah, I did get his date of departure wrong. He passed away in 1989, which I really realised as soon as I finished the podcast, as soon as I finished recording, I was like, oh, shit, I've got his date of birth wrong. But I wasn't about to go in and edit it or do it all again. So, but yeah, since then I've had some lovely messages um, from people sort of uh, telling a few little stories about their, what Alan Murphy meant to them. And uh, it's been, it's been really nice. Um, Yeah, just, yeah, I I got a message from John Hill who uh, looks after, I think he's, he owns quite a lot of Alan's guitars uh, from what I, gather from what I, I i heard he's not said that but i think um i think the guitar that they used as the picture in the guitarist magazine that that's actually with john hill now um alan's fender squire with the reflex pickups and the floyd rose i think that it belongs with john hill so he reached out to me uh, on facebook and um a lovely chap called graham sloan if you're out there listening graham thank you so much for your messages um who sort of said that he would was in contact with Alan quite a bit during, you know, towards the end. Um, and I think, you know, they used to sort of chat about equipment and stuff like that. And uh, overall, it just sounds like Alan Murphy was just such a lovely man and uh, an absolute monster player. I don't know if anyone's, um, if anyone listened to this and went out and heard some stuff. Uh, and then a friend of mine sort of, tipped me off to a song um by Kate Bush that in which she m- mentioned Alan um i think the song's called Mo- moments of pleasure moments of pleasure where she sort of pays tribute to him at the end of the song um yeah so that was quite nice quite a nice little sort of walk down uh, memory lane of my old guitar hero it still is a guitar hero it's just such an incredible player such an incredible player. Um, what else has happened this week? Um, yeah, I did. I, I saw a, a thing come up on social media. I think it was on Instagram or or Facebook or something like that. But it was about. Um, it was a couple of things I've heard actually. In, and it, it's sort of you know I thought it's a good subject to talk about maybe. Maybe controversial. I don't know. Um, I'm not doing it to be deliberately controversial, but it's something that I have thought about a bit. Um, uh, I, I watched the interview with Rick Beato and Joe Bonamassa, um, which was fascinating. What a player that guy is. He's incredible. And he was talking, saying that he sort of chatted to another guitar player. I can't quite remember his name, but he was a younger guitar player. And he was talking about um, he had to, this younger player, this young guy, had been invited to play the Star Spangled Banner um, at some game somewhere, some, some you know, some event, some big sort of televised event. And apparently he was, uh, he said it, you know, I think Joe, Joe Bonamassa had, had done it in the past and they were sort of talking about it. And this guy said, yeah, he was absolutely petrified, or I can't, but I'm paraphrasing, he was petrified because 
he was so worried that if he made a mistake, his guitar playing would be turned into a meme. That mistake would be turned into a meme, you know, a social media meme. And uh, it sort of, let, you know, I was like, shit, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. These days, you, you can't, you just can't play anything wrong. You know, when you're on a gig, you, 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 that's nowadays, that's on your mind all the time when you're, when you're, um, well, if you let it be on your mind all the time, but nowadays everyone is filming everything at every gig and warts and all, you know, everyone makes mistakes and those mistakes get captured and it, and, and it, I think it's sort of, um, I think it's, you can, I think I tend to not care about it that much. Actually, I don't care because I make mistakes all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, and I'm, and you know, the people I play with do too. Um, you know, there's the odd slip of a note sometimes when you're doing a solo and, and, uh, I think that's just completely natural. But then I saw, um, an article about, uh, it, it was one of those sort of pop-up things. I think it was from Guitar World. I think it must have come up on my Facebook feed or something. And I read it at the start. I think I saved it. I can't find out to find it. Um, but it was talking about social media guitar players, you know, Instagram guitar players and TikTok players about how everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. And I watch a couple of these guys. And I have my favourites, and I have some that I go, yeah, I'm not sure that's. Uh, there's, there's a couple that I I watch and listen to that that are amazing, and they're amazing players. There's a guy called. Um, uh, let me just have a look. Sorry, I'm going to look. Excuse me. Uh, oh, I think his name's Aaron Aaron Shreve. Yeah. A-H-R-E-N, Shreve. Um, I think he's, where is he based? He's amazing. And what I love about his videos is he's at a gig. He's playing at a gig, right? He's, uh, I want to turn my headphones around because I've got them around the wrong way. On my bald head. Um, yeah, quite, quite a lot of the stuff you see, he's actually taken a bit of his gig. So, and his, and his playing's always flawless anyway. He's amazing. Um, but then there's some others that are played where it's very staged. And that's also fine as well. I've, you know, I've done a bit of that myself. It's staged. Um, but everything has to be perfect. No one seems to be able to be okay to fuck up a little bit. Um, and then there's some that I've seen, which I listen to it. I listen to it and go, "That's not real." I can hear that the playing is. Well, one, I don't mind. You know, I can understand when someone's miming to something they already played. I get that. I understand it. I've done it. I've had to do it myself. You know, especially sort of doing TVs or whatever. That's fine because. You know, there are time constraints on that, those things, and it's a TV show. But when someone is miming for the video purpose, and that's kind of okay, because you know that they probably played it in the first place. But the ones that I am a little bit suspicious of, and this is, might be the controversial bit, 
is where you can hear that the audio has been sped up. And I can hear that because I can tell with the vibrato. Well, I think I can hear it. I might be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I can. it sounds a little bit um, artificial to me. So, um, and there seems to be quite a lot of that at the moment. And I know that's probably a deliberate thing. I know, you know, back in the day, Les Paul did that. You know, I remember seeing footage of Les Paul doing How High the Moon. And forgive me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong. Someone might come on here and tell me and rip me a new one. But um, that was sped up. That was a that was a trick, you know. And no doubt he could play. He played everything. You know, there's, there's, that's fine. He played everything. But there's a few out there. And it, and it's a, it's got a sound. It definitely has a sound. I think, and I could be wrong actually. I think even some of the um, there was a, a lot of very speed stuff was done back in the day. Um, I know you know Luther Vandross, for example, used to slower slower. You know the singer Luther Vandross, the, the amazing singer, used to record his vocals. Uh, used to very speed the the uh, the malt, the tape down, so he could sing lower. Um, on purpose to sing lower so that when it raised in pitch, it got a different tonal timbre, got a different t- tone out of his voice. And then d- he used to do the other, other way well as well, well. So he used to speed the tape up and sing higher in pitch so that when you sped it, when you sped it back down, when you slowed it back down, it would give a certain effect. And I completely understand that. And maybe that's what I'm missing. But uh, I see some guitar players that are playing some incredible things um they pop up on my feed all the time and the music musical ideas are incredible but it just sounds artificial i don't know have you noticed that has anyone noticed that and please tell me if i'm wrong because i i'd love to be yeah i want to i want to know um but there's there's a there's a few out there and and I think that war, that was the gist of the article, actually, in, in Guitar World. I'll try and find it at some point, because I should read it properly. I shouldn't be talking about it unless I've read it properly. But it, when I read it, it kind of made me think of things, of something that I think about anyway. Um, and this isn't, you know, it's not, this isn't sour grapes at all, because I, I understand that's what it is. It's it's a, a thing, and I suppose anything that's sort of pushing guitar and music into the forefront is good. But I do look at the comments because there's there's a couple of people that I've, I've heard that have got ubers of followers and you know deservedly so. But there was a little champagne burp there. I'm sorry about that. Please excuse me. I don't know if that came up on the mic. <laughs> um, but there's there's some that I've heard that you just go that doesn't quite sound right. And then and then. Their playing is completely synced, and you know, and their sound also. Their sound changes. There's there's one guy I've seen. His sound changes. He's playing a clean thing, like a rhythmic thing, and his sound changes to a lead sound instantly. And you go, how did you do that? He's not stomped on anything. There's nothing changed. And you know, it might be done in post or something post production, but the video is shot in real time there's nothing sped up about the video there it's just the tone of the guitar the vibrato is slightly faster um 
And anyway, what I was alluding to was um, I, I think there's a little bit, and I could be wrong, and please tell me, um, listening to the the Nightfly, the Donald, Donald Fagan album, there's there's some certain guitar fills on that that I think were deliberately played slower, recorded slower, so that when the track, when the tape went back to the the um, the speed that it should have been at, that the guitar tone was a little bit zingier um, and the vibrato was a little bit faster. And I don't know, I'm going to go back and listen again, but that's what this reminds me of. Um, the vibrato and just how clean it is just sounds a bit artificial but maybe that's just me i don't know what do you think um what do you think listeners write in to me at rob rob's funk and junk at gmail.com and please i'm not you know it's not sour grapes but um i just think it's almost like uh well it's the musical equivalent of airbrushing i think potentially like airbrushing like autotune or like melodyne or any of those those things that um every recording seems to have these days it's uh but my worry is is that if that is happening is it's giving the it's giving the listener well it's, it's almost like false advertising because that person can't actually sing like that or play like that or actually look like that, you know, when it's airbrushing. So, I don't know. It's everywhere, isn't it? Everything is, uh, what's real anymore? Is it real? Is anything real? I know that this glass of champagne is real today, so <laughs> that sounded really arsy. But, um, so, yeah, I hope everyone is getting ready for a lovely Christmas. Um, I had another thing that I was going to talk about on here. Uh, what else? That's it. That's what I had. Yeah. So I was going to play on this podcast. I was going to show a little thing, but, um, because I'm using this piece of software called Riverside FM studio, Riverside FM to record the podcast with, um, I haven't figured out how to stream my guitar stream, record my guitar in as well. So I did spend about 45 minutes dicking around trying to sort that out before i started recording this so hopefully for the next podcast i might be able to uh, get that together um to uh, i had something i wanted to talk about oh i have had some emails let me uh i have had an email i think um was this from the last one hang on a minute uh one second one second here we go oh by the way the uh the boom and twang thing um, I know I mentioned it last time, but we have, um, I'm only saying that because someone's just sent me an email. Um, Boom and Twang is happening uh, in the UK. So that's Paul Turner and myself doing our music retreat camp thing. Um, one-to-one, mu- one-to-one guitar lessons with myself. Uh, yours truly, one-to-one bass lessons with Paul Turner from Jamiroquai. Um, and then we have, um, on the final day, we have a special guest drummer, um, which, uh, is Derek McKenzie. So, um, 
so we do sort of one-to-one lessons with Paul and myself. Then we have like master classes and we also have group workshops. So everyone can get up and play. Um, and the idea being is that you, it's very real world. You know, um, we sort of throw some things at you, um, pick a couple of tunes and people get to play with each other, which is really fun, you know, cause I know a lot of people sort of are doing that, but, um, but some people don't get to do that as much. So it's a great way to meet new people and play and sort of, um, work on some ideas of, of actually working in an ensemble and listening to other players and listening to sort of, um, each other play and sort of have a bit of a musical conversation. So um, that is running in the UK, March the 1st to the 3rd. Let me just have a look. It is March the, uh, hang on, where is it? I should know this because I'm doing it. I've got so many dates in my head. March the 1st to the 3rd um in the uk uh and we have also announced so yeah that's that's a, a weekend residential retreat in the uk um uh in cambridgeshire near where i live um all food is covered uh, you know it's within the thing um you stay there you sort of arrive on the friday morning um we kind of work through the days have a hangout we sort of all have lunch together all have dinners together um and then goes through to the Sunday where we have the visiting drummer and then everyone gets to get up and play. And it's a really, really good fun weekend. Actually, we had a great time last time. So if you're interested in that at all, drop me a line at, um, Rob's Funk and Junk or check us out. Paul and I are, we've got, um, Instagram is at boom and twang. So that's B O M N T W A N G. Um, and drop us a line and we can send you some information. We also have announced and uh, a few people have signed up for that already is the Boom and Twang retreat in uh, Thailand, which is taking place from, uh, where is it? Taking place uh, in, hang on, where is it? I'm just trying to find the details here. Because I've got, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, where is it? Information. Excuse me. Oh yeah, it's running from the Thursday, the fifteenth of February, until Saturday, the sixteenth, and um, it's a, an amazing studio called Karma Studios um, in a place called Bangsarai in Thailand, and uh, we recorded there with with Jamiroquai, um a few years back when we were making the rock dust light star album. So that's how we know about the place. Um, but it is an incredible facility. So we just thought we'd get over there as well because Paul and I are doing some other work there. Um, and we just thought we'd um, do a retreat over there as well. So same thing you, you'd come and there's a hotel, literally a, a walk across the road from the studio, which looks amazing. Um, and we will all be staying together and, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks by the pool, working in this amazing studio facility in uh, Thailand, right in the uh, the lovely sunny season. Um, 
some amazing food, etc. So if you're at all interested in that, same thing, one-to-one lessons with uh, with Paul and myself, group workshops and masterclasses. Um, and we will hopefully be having a, a drummer visit us there as well so we can sort of um, all have a good old jam session. Um, it's good. It's a good, good thing to do because it, it just means, you know, you get used to sort of playing with other people. It does create a bit of a community of, um, you know, I, whenever I've done these things, people just tend to t- tend to stay in touch with each other and sort of share ideas. Um, and the good thing about that is, is you get bass players and guitar players sh- sharing ideas as well. And, you know, sort of, into, you know, um, creating together, even if you're creating online and sort of making music together and sending parts over writing music together or even getting together to play, you know, so it's a, it's a really good fun thing to do. And, and Paul and I are going to continue doing them. But um, if you're at all interested, a uh, nice little trip um, for early next year, some music and some fun. And uh, yeah, just drop us a line at robsfunkandjunk at gmail.com. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh yeah, I had an email. So let me have a quick look for my email. I've got so many email accounts on my computer. I nearly swore. I've got to stop swearing. Um, so hang on a minute. People asking me about the Thailand thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I've got an email from uh, Gordon Haswell. Hi, Gordon. Where are you based, Gordon? I'm just looking at your email address. Will it tell me? Hotmail. Your Hotmail-based email address doesn't give me any indication of where you're based. Let me just move this up here. So, right. I'm going to read this so you're going to see my chin. Hey, Rob. Great to have you back. Thank you very much. Nice to be back. In in techniques videos, you've talked about how you tend to focus on the higher end of the chords, top three strings, and let the other instruments fill the sound. But if you're playing with a smaller band, e.g. bass, drummer, singer, do you change the way you play? And also, would you change your amp settings to make it all sound fuller? I absolutely would. Yeah. Um, that's that's a great question, actually. Yes, I would. Playing in busier arrangements, especially with keyboards and horns and BVs, I do tend to try. Don't always do it. Depends what the guitar part is, but I do try to. Um, I do try to play in a way that the guitar will cut through, and that tends to be around the sort of G, B, and E strings. Um, sometimes a bit of D string, um, especially with picking parts. But I do tend to think that that register cuts through a thick paddy or piano-y sort of sounding thing, you know, um, just sonically in the band, in in Jamiroquai, that's kind of where some of the parts live. So uh, uh, let me grab an acoustic guitar so you might be able to hear it. One second. Bear with me. Bear with me, caller. Bear with me. Bang, bang, bang. So, uh, I don't know if you can hear this. Well, angle the guitar down. Hang on. You can hear that, right? Can you hear that? My trusty Maton. Have you tried these? Has anyone tried these Matons? They are amazing. So, 
Um, for example, so we've got the song um, All Right, which is a C minor 7 to a G minor 9, D minor 7 to A minor 9. So A minor, uh, C minor, C minor 9 as well. Uh, Sorry, the guitar. I can't stand playing a guitar that's not in tune. Yeah. C minor 9, G minor 9. D minor 9 to A minor 9. Right? That's what the chords are doing. So if I was playing that in a band with no keyboards, I'd be doing, I'd be playing more of the harmony. But when I'm playing it with Jamiroquai, when we're sort of in full flow, all I'm doing is concentrating on the more champagne for me. Your champagne. <laughs> it's great, this. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Merry Christmas Merry to you. Christmas. I'll call you later. So, yeah. So I just play those two notes of the uh, C minor seven, which is the uh, what's that? The minor third and the fifth. And then for the G minor nine, I'm playing the the flattened seventh and the ninth. So, which is uh, I stay on it for that chord, which is when I go to the D minor nine, D minor seven. Sorry, I stay on those two notes that I've just played for the G minor nine. So it's very simple. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just playing very small, but. If I was playing in a uh, a band that was a little bit um, a little bit uh, sparser, there was just guitar, or it might be two guitars. So one's doing picking and one's doing the the uh, the chordal things. I'd probably fill up more sound. Um, and sound wise, um, amp wise, I tend to do things. If I'm playing in a club, I tend to sort of tune my amp to or my modeler, my modeler, whatever I'm using, to what the gig sounds like. I, I adjust the EQ to what the gig sounds like, what I'm playing to. Um, I, I sort of never have a one thing set, so it's the same every time. So I will adjust as I go. So, um, yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, have I got any more? Just people asking about the... Boom and Twain workshops. So I'm going to mention this because it's got a cool name. Pop, Pop Fire Dragon, this email has come from. Don't know what that means. Hey, Rob, how's it going? I hope your December has been all right. It has been. Thank you very much. Uh, I love your podcast. find it really interesting when you talk about your childhood experiences in Cambridge. I'm only 14 and lived in central Cambridge all of my life, and I've literally been getting into the local music scene with incredible bands like Ezio and Booger. Ezio and Booger. Um, you've heard Booger on the podcast. He's a friend of mine. And that's how I discovered you, through their lockdown podcast. Oh, yeah, I did. I was on that. As a guitar player in a city with such a rich history, it's so inspirational to hear your stories. It helped me to try and find a way around being a young guitarist in Cambridge and where to play, and what Cambridge used to be like before I was born. <laughs> God, I'm fucking old. Um, which is so fascinating. Please never stop telling us these stories. Thank you for sharing these stories, and keep up the great work. It's so inspirational. means a lot to people like me. Oh, bless you. And that's from Poppy Filippo. 
what a cool name, Poppy. Um, that's a great name. Um, so, so that was a very. I hope that the guitar demonstration made sense. I'm not Tom Bukovac, you know. I wish I was Tom Bukovac, but um, yeah, I'm very warts and all. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I sort of, yeah, I did my first, my first pub gig in Cambridge when I was 14. I was that age. I was playing with this band of all older, older dudes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there is a scene there in Cambridge. Um, my son's sort of doing gigs there at the moment. He's, he's playing in Cambridge. He's sort of trying to break out and do gigs outside of Cambridge, but it's a great place to, to play. Um, yeah well good luck with it poppy poppy good luck with it and uh i hope you uh yeah any questions you've got just give me a shout drop me a line here and i'll hopefully can help you in some way um but yeah so look everybody i'm going to sign off because i've been 47 minutes jesus i hope you get to the end of this otherwise you're bored um but listen um i'm yeah, I don't know. What what how are the production values of this podcast for you? I'm going to ask the question. Um I don't know. I, I do look at other people's podcasts and they're all blinging and shining and amazing and they look super cool. But um how is it? I'm still using I'm just using my FaceTime camera on my computer. I suppose I could get a better camera. I have got a better camera, but I haven't worked out how to hook it up. And I've got a feeling that whenever I've used this, when I've been doing sort of guitar videos, it cuts out after about half an hour. So if anyone's got any suggestions for better cameras than this one, because um, I'm using the FaceTime one on my little laptop, um, let me know. And I, I'm using a proper mic. I've got this um, UA Sphere thing, which is pretty cool, which I use for recording. But any tips or advice, um, as long as it doesn't cost me an arm and a leg, because, you know, as you know, you don't make any money doing podcasts. But, um, yeah, drop me a line. I hope you're all going to have a lovely Christmas. Um, yeah, it will have been Christmas by the time um, by the time I do the next episode. So, listen, have a great time. And, uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. Drink and be merry and watch shitty programs on TV. And just take a bit of time to... R relax a bit um i know some people absolutely hate christmas and i understand that but yeah i know it's a tough time for some people but i hope you're all okay out there um i personally love christmas even though <laughs> i have some weird memories of my grow my growing up at christmas oh man i've got to tell you this one is a is a life lesson for for me. This is a perfect life lesson. I don't mind telling you this because this is quite funny and also not funny. I remember being uh, being a kid. Um, it's amazing what you remember about your Christmases. <laughs> I remember one year, my mum and dad. My mum in particular was going. My mum Anne, bless her, would say to my dad, "Don't get me anything." for Christmas this year, Ken. Don't you know, don't worry about it. Don't get me anything for Christmas. So he didn't. <laughs> and then when he realised that he'd massively screwed up, 
he had a, he bought himself a shove Ankeny board. I think he might have sussed it maybe two days before, and this is when I was living in Qatar. He bought this shove Ankeny board. I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but it's an old pub game, which is a piece of wood. It's like a slab of wood. It looks like a chopping board, and it's got lines on it. Um, either drawn lines or sort of inlaid lines and you get a coin and you I'll show you you get a coin at the edge of the thing and you tap the coin and it slides across the board and uh, it's it's sort of where it sits in between it's like a it's like a a, a pub table game version of bowls you you tap the coin and it goes down the board and wherever you get it if it sits in between the lines, it's the score. Anyway, my dad bottled it and realised that he was in deep shit because he hadn't got my mum a present. So he styled it out and said, oh, I didn't get you a present. I got you this. But she uh, she knew better. Oh, my God. That was a Christmas day to remember. It was World War Three in our house that day. I think I was only about seven, six or seven. But I do remember... And that was a lesson, a massive lesson. If anyone said, don't worry, don't get me anything, never believe it. Just get something. Whatever you do, get something. Get something with thought. Um, that's Anyway, that's my, 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 uh, my take off from that. You, you, you learn these things when you're growing up, I think. Or you don't. But anyway, listen, I've prattled along enough. 52 minutes. Sorry for that, everybody. Must be boring you stupid. Anyway, much love to you all out there and have a lovely Christmas. And uh, remember, if you've got anything you want to ask me, just drop me a, a message at robsfunkandjunk at gmail.com and I will see you soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs>